Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gills Talk podcast. I am your host, Kristen Smith, and today we have Gills Club scientist, one of our newer Gills Club science team members, Jada Elcock. Jada is a PhD student through the MIT HUI grad program, as well as a co-founder of Minorities and Shark Sciences. In Jada's interview, we discuss her upcoming PhD project looking at basking shark migration, as well as her love for science communication and how that has led her to sharing her love of sharks and all of her ocean knowledge through TikTok and Twitter, and as well as BBC and National Geographic. So I hope you enjoyed this interview today. Sit back and relax, and let's get started with our interview with Jada Elcock. And welcome back to the Gills Talk podcast. Today we have one of our newest Gills Club scientists, Jada Elcock, on today. So welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. So um, Jada has been featured across the month of March. So if you haven't seen her feature, go on back and watch that. Or I should say go back and read all of her posts that we put out about her, but we're going to even learn more all about Jada's work with Miss and her current program, we're looking at basking sharks as well. So I think we're just going to get into it. How about kick us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am currently a uh, PhD student at the MIT and Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution joint program um, for biological oceanography. That's always a mouthful. So I just say the MIT Hui JP for BO, which is also still a mouthful. Um, <laughs> I've been here for, this is my second year. I'm finishing up my second year this semester. For that, I spent a year at the University of Washington before transferring here because my advisor is amazing. So when he got a position over here, I was like, I'm following this man across the country to make sure that I still have a fantastic advisor. And even before that, I've kind of just been hopping around from place to place, coast to coast. Um, I grew up in Illinois and Phoenix, Arizona. So nowhere near the ocean. Um, I went to school in Arizona and Flagstaff up north. It snowed a lot and it was really cool. Um, would have loved to be closer to the ocean, but I took the opportunities that I had. And then I was at Friday Harbor for a summer. And then I was a lab technician in DC for a year. And then I was back at Friday Harbor and then at Washington. And now I'm here. So that's my crazy back and forth across the country path through science and where I'm at now. <laughs> well, moving around everywhere. You must be great at packing and just getting, just going back and forth. Hilariously, I'm genuinely terrible at packing. Like <laughs> the my, when my parents were like, all right, we're flying out to uh, Washington, Seattle to come pick you up so we can drive across the whole country. It was, I finished packing like pretty much like an hour before I picked them up from the airport, which is not that was not what needed to happen, but it always gets done is what the 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 big deal is. As long as it gets done, it doesn't matter when. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you said that you wished maybe you were somewhere near a coastline at one point, but now you are, you're at Woods Hole. I mean, you couldn't be any closer to the, the ocean. It floods there when it's a high tide. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like a couple miles from the nearest beach and I'm thrilled about it. So I'm loving it. Yeah, so let's talk about then your time at Woods Hole looking at basking shark migration. Yeah, absolutely. I 
funnily enough, have not yet seen a basking shark in person. I just kind of jump started this project like over the summer, sort of like getting started over the summer, um, working on stuff through last semester. And I'm going to be, I think, probably ramping up, hopefully, my field work to get more data and like tags out and everything, um, hopefully this spring and summer, but we will see. But yeah, I kind of just got started, you know, first year is usually for classes, second year is for classes, but also starting to figure out like, what is your thesis going to be? What are you going to be focused on? And at least a big chunk of my dissertation is going to be focused on basking shark migration, looking at how exactly are they making these movements happen? Because it wasn't that long ago that we realized that they're going from like Cape Cod down to like the Caribbean or even occasionally past the equator which is crazy because we always used to think of them as like these cold water sharks but it turns out that they've got a couple surprises for us and while they're migrating they just kind of disappear into like the ocean twilight zone and we're not really seeing them pop up to the surface so we're like what are you guys doing down there we have no clue um so just now learning about like the course of their migration and then obviously that comes with a gazillion other mysteries in it as well so my whole dissertation is, I guess, trying to piece together just a couple small little bits of this whole migration mystery. Yeah, it's one big puzzle. And we're just yeah. going to slowly put in a piece by piece. Yeah. Yep. We're going to start with the edge pieces. You know, those are the easiest parts. <laughs> Work our <laughs> way in and hopefully at some point we'll figure out why are you migrating? But first we have to figure out where and how and what are you doing as you're migrating like are you eating are you not eating who are you interacting with what is going on mm -hmm. so then looking at this type of project so in many of our podcast episodes in previous months that you know we have had scientists you know be, be tagging the the these in individuals and tracking them in certain ways so I'm assuming this will be done via like a tag work or is it more like an aerial study like how do you even begin to like follow them around? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm actually going to be using a little bit of both of those things. Um, so looking at tags, I'll be using a couple different types of tags, probably some satellite tags um, that'll stay on the organism for several months, maybe a year or so, mm -hmm. um, get some information that way, like just typical, like as they're moving, like depth data, where are you at during whatever months, that kind of thing. Um, I've already, there's already a pretty good database of that kind of stuff that my advisor even worked on when he was, um, I think when he was in this program as well. And I am excited to look at all these data sets and potentially try and use them in ways that they haven't been used yet before. And also potentially collect more of that data from new individuals, probably new individuals. I mean, I don't know. I didn't tag the first ones. I have no way to identify which ones they were, but also using biologger tags, which I'm very excited about, um, using like accelerometers and magnetometers and light and swim speed and depth and temperature and all kinds of really cool stuff. And some of them even have a camera on them that lasts for at least a couple hours. So you can see some sort of behavior that's going on that might help you be able to identify what you're looking at in uh, some of these other sensors data so that when you no longer have the video, you can see this and say, oh, I saw this before paired with this timing on the video. So we know that it's probably this behavior. So that's something that I'm very excited about. I'm My whole lab is pretty new to this technology, but there's just like, there's so many different amazing questions you can ask with biologers. So I'm very excited to use them. Um, and then another portion is gonna be looking at 
uh, aerial photography, basically before and after migration, just seeing, did they get skinnier? Did they put on a couple pounds? Are they the same? Like, and that could tell us like, are they eating during migration? Are they not? How is their body condition changing? How is migration affecting their body condition? And so those are kind of like the main things that I'm hoping to be able to do during my dissertation so far. I'm obviously hoping to plan a couple extra chapters just in case one of those things falls through or like a fun side project or whatever that might be based on basking sharks. Maybe they won't be, we'll see. But yeah, that's kind of my big idea. And that's what I also proposed to the uh, Nancy Foster scholarship program. Mm -hmm. And I actually was able to receive funding, which is incredible. And I'm so thrilled. And that uh, that scholarship program is a wonderful one because it comes with a lot of different resources at NOAA and a really cool co cohort of other scholars. And we get to go on our annual retreat together and hang out and get to know each other as people and as researchers in the different um, NOAA sanctuaries. So very, very excited about all of that as well. Yeah. And what a great then community that you have too. Yes. Like to go yeah. back and like shoot ideas off of one, one, one another, just like reach out a hand for support. Like sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah. And it's really cool because everyone's doing a lot of different research. Like I've, I'm obviously focused on sharks. Someone else I know is focused on like essentially fish singing and like how temperature is affecting how their fish are able to communicate with each other other people are working on like microplastics and coral reefs other people are working on like birds migrations and I'm like everyone is just doing such different and important and really interesting work so it's cool to kind of get together every year be like hey I haven't seen you in a while like how's your research going how's life and just hang out like I said like as researchers but also just like as friends so it's really really cool Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so excited to hear more as you get your your research kind of like kicked off and going when you have the your your field season. Um, I just can't wait to follow along and hear maybe what some of these puzzle pieces you'll start to fill all in and get. Yeah, and, thanks. You're welcome and get going there. So um, I know this is a, an audio podcast, but Jada has a green screen behind her of a thresher shark. So yeah. I have to ask, is the thresher shark your favorite shark? It is indeed. And the thing is, there are three different species of thresher sharks. And everyone then asks me which one's my favorite. And I guess I have to say the common thresher. Um, so there's the common, the big eye, and the pelagic. But um, from what I understand, if I'm using, looking at the correct sources and whatnot, um, the common thresher does have the ability to, it has like regional endothermy in like its head basically to keep like its brain and its eyes and like those important structures warm while it's foraging in like cold water and stuff and to my knowledge the other two species don't do that and I think that that's just like a really cool like added bonus to the common thresher and also of course their tails are really cool so like who doesn't love a shark that hunts with its butt they're hilarious I love them <laughs> yes I actually didn't know that the other thresher species didn't do that which then why is it called the common thresher it's not very then yeah a common thresher with a not so common ability I guess and I I also thought that all three of them did that um but I did did some digging recently um to look into that to make sure that I was like expressing that information accurately and I found a paper that was basically like the common thresher does it but we don't really see a lot of evidence for that in the other two species and I was like fascinating I would have never guessed that and I would have been spewing wrong information for a long time had I not looked it up so yeah, yeah. I'll have to find that paper again but it was really cool 
Yeah, I also love it's a favorite fact we like to give um, with youth that they can be left or right fin as well. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So they can like, you can see um, when we, there's one winter where, um, where we had like three or four cold stone threshers come up. And so um, at that point, it was Dr. Lisa Natanzen at the Narragansett lab. And she said, yeah, you can tell the difference. Like if one side is more um, scarred than the other, then they know then they can prefer to stun prey on one end or the other side. So cool. That's actually so funny. I don't think that I knew that, but I guess it makes a lot of sense. And I wonder, I wonder if it's, if it's similar to like people where like most of the population is right-handed, but obviously there's a bunch of left-handed people out there. I wonder if it's like 50, 50, or if it's like the species has a preference for one. I don't know. That's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's just like, they get like stronger on one side. So then they, yeah. Hmm. Your next research project. Yes. Well, let's get the PhD first. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That can be around too. But going off of these like fun facts that you have been sharing, one thing that I have always loved about you I have been like a cheerleader from like behind the scenes I love your TikToks they're so much fun if anyone doesn't follow her become one of the 46,000 followers oh thank you on TikTok right 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 now at least and I just think like you have such a fun way in communicating science and sharks to people so is that something that like just naturally came with you and you know with your journeys moving across the country or was it like how did you just decide I'm gonna do a lot of TikToks. Yeah. Um, so this started in like the beginning of 2020. Oh my gosh, three years ago. That's actually insane. Um, so I basically was like in like late 2019, I was like, I refuse to download TikTok because it's not as cool as Vine. I'm not doing it. I refuse to cave. And then I was like, dang, people look like they're having a lot of fun on TikTok. <laughs> so I guess I'm gonna cave. And I totally did. And I regret absolutely nothing because it has opened so many doors for me, which I was never expecting. But I started just like, you know, scrolling through the same way everyone does and was like, oh, people have like some really cool little like talents and like hobbies or like even their livelihood that they like to share on here. And they kind of are finding this like niche thing of like, I remember this one person, I think it was like Audrey Draws or something like that. I love her and her husband makes like these fun little like when you're having like artist block little like auto generator things to like help you come up with ideas I don't know and so she was drawing like like businesses like Walmart or like Twitter as people and I was like why is this so entertaining like this is so cool and like people doing like their dances and whatnot and I was like well I want to have a thing like everyone has their thing I want a thing and I was like I don't know I really like animals and I talk a lot so I'll just do that and so I just started making all these videos about animals um and my friend at the time now roommate still friends I don't know why I said at the time anyway (laughs) she encouraged me to post them on Twitter and they kind of like blew up on Twitter so I got like a really big following on Twitter and then it started to take off on TikTok and I think it's because I used a phrase like shark scientist in one of my videos and the algorithm was like tell everyone they must know that there's a shark scientist and a whole (laughs) bunch of people were like you're living my dream job. I wanted to do this when I was a kid, blah, 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 whatever. And so it was just a lot of encouragement of people being like, tell us about this shark. Tell us about this shark. What's it like being in the field? What's it like being a scientist and blah, 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 all this stuff. And so I was like, I got to keep making these like, and there's, there's so much fun for me. It's like a, a nice little relaxing thing of like, okay, I had a stressful day. I was doing a lot of like coding and like my brain is fried. 
I'm just gonna like search up some facts about uh the salmon shark I don't know and then just like make a video about it so yeah that's kind of how it all started and it has definitely opened a lot of doors um BBC reached out to me being like hey we saw your TikToks do you want to make content with us and I was like yes what so I've got a couple YouTube videos out there with BBC mental floss same deal with them and uh, I've ended up on Nat Geo's Shark Fest and I've it just oh I literally would have never imagined the fact that TikTok of all things would have like opened all these doors and like I'm just a nerd on the internet but I'm glad people like listening to me <laughs> and I think that's you know there is definitely their negatives on social media and just the internet but then like there's so many po- positives too you know it's a way for scientists to share their facts and an outlet just for you know like for science in general just to get the word out there of what they are doing and connections and you know that's yeah. how like perfect example I followed Dr. Jody Rummer for years I was like I know I'm never going to meet her she's in Australia you know and so then we did get to meet at um, the last Gills Club conference that we had but you know it's just like this the full realm of just being able to have these connections with people and to share your love and you never know what it's going to be like you could end up on BBC which is insane yes wild and I I think that science communication is so important because Mm -hmm. I I, I think it's like, there's a little bit of a disconnect between the science realm and like the general public. And I think that it's so important to like, kind of bring those two together um, and convey your science in a way that is digestible for people who aren't in your field and don't know all this jargon and everything like that. Um, Because otherwise, how do you expect people who are essentially like voting on policies that are going to affect the things that you study how do you expect them to care about something when they don't even know about it and also you've spent years and years and years of your life working so hard on all of this research and found like at one point you were the first person in the world to have that information before you published it and told the world about it and then it just sits in your metaphorical and also probably literal desk drawer for god knows how long and I'm like but you worked so hard on this and the world deserves to see it so like you should be excited to share that with other people and sometimes it is really hard to kind of break it down in a way that's more digestible just because you know we have in our own heads like this is the way we've been thinking about things for however long being the people that are researching it but to be able I I think it also then speaks a lot to how well we are able to like understand our own research and share it with the world if we're able to like break it down in a way that makes more sense rather than being like all this jargon of I don't there I mean I read papers sometimes and I'm like I literally am in this field and I have no idea what this sentence means so like can't expect anyone from like the public not in this field to understand it so I just I think science communication is so important and it's also really fun Yes, um, we perfect example in our team meeting. So our Shark Center man- manager here, Heather, has a music background and a teaching background. So for her, um, Megan will be doing her update on, you know, like the latest like update and anything like that. And then Heather will sit back and she says, okay, now in science teacher terms, please, or or, or music like, like teacher terms, please, for me who doesn't know. <laughs> Um, no, but, I love that. And it helps Megan and our whole research team be like, oh yeah, 
But yeah, yeah it's so definitely helpful to have someone be like, hey, step back for a second. What were the words that you just said? Because, and my my parents keep me on track with that too. Their whole word for, I support you. And I love that you're so excited about this, but I have no idea what you just said. They'll just be like, cool, croctopus. <laughs> what? And it's a, it's a modern family reference, but they're just like croctopus. I don't know what you just said. And I'll be like, right, right. Okay, hold on. Let me backtrack. Let me break it down a little more. Yeah. That's my husband in banking. He comes home and he said, he <laughs> used a bunch of finance stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> oh my God. I don't understand finance. No. <laughs> but we balance each other out really well with, with yeah. that. But I think that a good segue into this social media is Miss, because that's how Miss was found. You four found each other on social media. And if anyone has been listening for a while, we have already had Carly and Jasmine on, and uh, we will have Amani on too. So I'm just collecting all of the Miss founders into the podcast. But I mean, that's one beauty of, of social media. We have a brand new, well, not brand brand new and anymore, but you know, this newer organization that is coming to the forefront and being able to one, be a support for minorities in shark sciences, but as well as to highlight them and showcase them too. Yeah. It was a wild ride getting that started um, because none of us had ever met in person when we first found it. None of us knew each other. I had had like one phone conversation with Jasmine asking about her advisor because I expressed some interest in being his in his lab. And basically it was after, I think his first name is Chris. Chris Cooper is the birder that was in Central Park that was harassed for basically being black outside. It was, it sparked um, the hashtag black in nature and black birders week and which then kind of snowballed into like black in neuroscience and black in marine science and everything else and so it just kind of started all of these different organizations and these different like awareness weeks and things like that and under the hashtag black in nature I think Jasmine Carly and Amani had all posted something and they were like lol what if we started a club for like black women in shark science because we're all sick of being like the only one in the room full of our colleagues that looks like us and they were like yeah haha that'd be so cool and then jasmine was like no we're doing this like a hundred percent so then she reached out to me too and she was like hello you're another black woman in shark science <laughs> would you like to be part of this as well and i was like yeah so then we had our first like zoom meeting together and we were all like hi wonderful to meet you how do we start a nonprofit organization and because none of us had any experience and we just like all right let's do this and we've you know had like our our core values we had like our first opportunity that we were going to provide which is our like weekend-long workshops with field school in Miami and then two weeks later we launched <laughs> we had like a logo because my friend was like I want to help make you guys a logo for free so shout out to M thank you M and it, it literally was, it was two weeks and I don't know how we managed to do that. Um, but we, we wanted to make sure that we launched on, because it was coming up on June, we wanted to launch on Juneteenth because of the significance of that day to the black community. And although we are not just a specifically like black focused organization, we felt like to the four of us, it was very meaningful to launch on that day. And, um, probably also to a lot of our members and, now, how many years, two and a half years later, we're still going and we've been able to partner with Nat Geo to give them more diverse scientists for their shark shows for uh, Shark Fest. 
Um, we've partnered with a bunch of different organizations to provide um, like internships and fellowships and all kinds of stuff. And we still have our uh, weekend workshops every year. And to kind of realize that we've branched from this one workshop idea out to like all of these different opportunities. When people ask me like, oh, what do you guys provide? I'm like, please go look at our website. I simply cannot remember all of them. There's too many. <laughs> it's it's very humbling and it makes me just feel really grateful to be part of something that's so influential and has been able to positively impact so many different lives. So and the fact that, yeah, it all started on Twitter is wild. And none of us met for the first time in person until our first workshop in person, which was nine months after we had launched our organization. So super wild ride, but here we are and it's, we're still kicking. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, um, I mean, for us, you know, we host a, a Miss Fellow and last year Karina was just so much fun. I'm actually, uh, I have an interview with her tomorrow, actually. And, um, and then we, we have Jackie this year. Um, I've been loving seeing her videos. I know you're doing shark madness right now. Um, so it's been, I'm going to be up. I'll be honest, upset that the white shark lost, but look, the white shark, this is year three of shark madness. The white shark has lost immediately all three years. (laughs) And to keep a, I guess a more positive mindset I don't want to say that the white shark is overrated but I guess it is appropriately rated and every other shark is very much underrated so I appreciate people showing love to these other sharks no I I, I work for an, org- an organization that does white shark work but I will understand I love shark week I love shark fest but you know sometimes we have to feature other species there yeah. There's over 500 species. There's a lot more love of sharks to share, not just to exactly. a white shark. Yeah, I, it's been a really fun ride um, being able, us as an organization, to work with you, like I said, through through fellowships and training. I know Marianne's been doing um, your course right now, too. So <laughs> I know that it's been it's been a fun ride for, for, for us, and it's been really an eye-opening and um, teaching experience for us, too. So um, we've been happy to... Yeah. We've yeah, we've been really excited to be able to partner with you guys. Um, and from what I hear, our members are loving the fellowship you guys have and are having a lot of fun with it. So it's just it's it's also just so cool to be able to see all these organizations that we were like, oh, this place is so cool. And now we're like, oh my gosh, we like partner with them. Like this is so awesome. We're like, wow, these things that we used to like look up to, we're like, we're like with them now. We're like buddies. I don't know. I just think it's really cool. <laughs> Oh no, I'm I I agree. I mean, we looked up to you too. And I know like and and just seeing how quick your organization grew in such a short amount of time is really unheard of, especially in the science realm. And so be able not just to one learn from you, but to collaborate in these ways has been super exciting. So I know this is probably I probably know the answer you're going to give me for this, but little Jada in Arizona growing up did you ever envision like this as your outcome or were you on strictly like a science track did you want to do all these extra things did it just blossom out of your love as you like got into the field that is such a good question I feel like I so I always knew I was going to go into science like from a very young age even in like Illinois we moved when I was 10 to Phoenix and so I was even very young in Illinois my brothers and I would go out and like explore and be like let's go find like spiders and bugs and frogs and whatever like it was always an exploration of nature and I've always been I think very obsessed with 
not just science in general, but like specifically ecology because of that. Um, and that's always been like a strong foundation was exploring outside with my brothers. So I always knew that I was going to go into science and my whole family knew it as well. And me and both my brothers majored in biology in high school and none of our other family ever like went into science like that. So all of our family were like, where did you come from? What is happening? We don't know how to support you, but like go team. Yeah, we we're here for you. I don't know what you're doing, but woohoo. I just, I guess maybe I didn't necessarily know that I was going to branch off into all of these other like science adjacent things, like an organization and science communication. And like, and now I feel like it has kind of in a way shaped where I want to go in the future. I'm not sure exactly what my end goal was as a kid. All I knew was I'm going to work with animals. And I didn't really know what that looked like. I think I, I, remember telling my mom I wanted to be a vet at the San Diego Zoo so that I could work with all of these like exotic and really cool animals and she was like oh lofty goals great and then I was like actually I want to get a PhD and they were like solid you do you girl (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm like I'm so excited to get my PhD and I know that it's going to be wonderful and I just school has always been something that I love and so I'm I love learning and like going through this like hands-on experience of like doing all the science myself. And I want to continue doing that after I get my PhD as well. But I want to lean more into the science communication side of things, I think, after my PhD too, just because I love engaging with different people and like, I guess, just sharing my passion and my excitement for the natural world with other people and watching them get just as excited as I always have been. So I think little me would be very excited to see where I am and impressed with how much other stuff I've gotten myself into (laughs) as well. So, yeah. I love that it's been this journey for you and and it's very, you know, similar to what our other scientists have been, you know, like they maybe think they're going to go toward this, but it's blossom into something almost that way or in the same realm and working into you know what you've been doing now so I know you are in your PhD and I this you might be mad at me for this question but I I have to ask since you haven't seen a basking shark yet (laughs) but I have to ask is there another shark one day that you do want to research is it the common thresher Ooh. Well, so obviously number one on my list for a sighting is going to be a basking shark because I'd love to see my study species at some point. Um, Something to work with though. That's a really good question. I think honestly, maybe a deep sea shark. I don't know which one necessarily. Maybe one of like the lantern sharks. You know, I'll say ninja lantern shark because it's just such a fun name. But when I was deciding like kind of where I wanted to go in science, There was a long time where in high school, I was like, maybe I'll do deep sea. And I was like, I saw, I remember, I think his name's Paul Clerken. I saw him on Shark Week a lot when I was younger and him kind of like discovering all these deep sea species. And I was like, that's so cool. And like, I just thought that he was so impressive and just looking at these deep sea sharks and how like otherworldly they look. And they just like produce their own light or they just like 
uh, Greenland shark just like lives forever. And like, just all this ridiculous stuff that I'm like, how does this exist? This is, you're all aliens and I love it. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to go into deep sea for a while. And now I'm just kind of like uh, ecology in general, man. Like all of it is awesome. But yeah, maybe I'll say it. Maybe I'll say a ninja lantern shark just, just for kicks and giggles. Why not? I like that. I like that. They, I mean, deep, deep sea sharks are so cool. And there's so much to learn about them. There's probably more that down there that we haven't even discovered yet. And they're just like chilling, just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, can I change my answer? Yes. No, <laughs> pocket shark. I love them. They're like this. I they're. I think it's like a, uh, like a competition between the pocket shark and the dwarf lantern shark of which one's the smallest. And I feel like everyone has a different answer, but it's either one of those two, but they have the little, like, for lack of a better word, like an armpit pocket. And they just like spew bioluminescent goo. And I'm like, they're so goofy. They look like little like whales almost. They're hilarious. I love them. That. Yeah. It's very like, it's almost like sperm whale-ish. Yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. weird. I love them. Yeah. They, they, a new species of them was discovered. Oh gosh. I don't know the year. It's been in the last like three to four years. Cause I think it's called the American pocket shark it was discovered in the gulf yeah don't quote me on that but i think no i think you're right i think there's two known currently yeah something like that i don't know either way they're incredible and i love them (laughs) well for anyone that's listening when you're done listening to the episode do a google and do and do some research about the pocket shark for that but to wrap up our interview today um i we always ask our scientists advice you would give to your younger self getting into this role I feel like that's usually such an easy question but sometimes I don't know I think that a big piece of advice I would say is imposter syndrome is something that everyone experiences it's not just you and you are not alone in that and you're going to continue to feel that at every stage mm-hmm. but And I know it's so difficult, but you have to just push it out of your mind and be like, I worked so hard to get here. These opportunities would not have presented themselves to me if I wasn't prepared for it. And if I apply for something and I don't end up getting it, it's not because I suck. It just means that maybe someone else had one thing that they were looking for that might've been a better fit. Mm -hmm. Um, So just kind of taking failures and realizing that that doesn't mean that you're a failure. Um, failure is a part of success. You have to get through certain failures in order to know what to do next, know what to change, know that maybe that's not the direction I want to go anymore or whatever it may be. But everyone experiences imposter syndrome and you feeling like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here is something that I think everyone can very much relate to. And it's something that is very difficult to push out of your mind, but it's possible. And I always say like, you got to find your hype people, you know? And I am like my own hype man sometimes. If I'm like having like a terrible day or like this code is simply not working and I'm like, I feel dumb and whatever. I'll just like be like, no, I'm doing great. I'm in a PhD program. I got accepted to MIT and Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. Like I'm doing it. And I'm proud of myself 
And even though this is hard, that doesn't mean that everything is terrible and that I'm bad at things. It just means that maybe you go ask someone a question and you get some help. Because getting help doesn't mean that you don't belong here. It just means science is collaborative and people ask for help all the time. Yes. Yeah. And find the people around you that are going to help you do the same thing because it's hard to be the only person hyping yourself up. You have to make sure that you have a support system. So find a friend and when you're feeling down, be like, dude, I feel really dumb today. And your friend's going to be like, I will punch you if you tell me that my friend is dumb again. That's my friends always say. They're like, I will hurt you if you keep calling my friend dumb. And I'm like, you're right. Your friend is smart. I'm smart. And they're like, yeah, exactly. Like just very positive atmosphere um people who are going to help lift you up and people who have probably been at that exact same point that you're at that know how to help get you out of it and maybe I'm rambling at this point but imposter syndrome is the worst and we all experience it I'm sure I will experience it later today when I'm trying to work on a lab in an ocean instrumentation class where I'm the only person without engineering background like you know, it's, you get yourself into these situations and you're like, Hey, but I got this. You just got to work at it. And if you have to work a little extra hard, that's okay. But either way, you're here for a reason. You've worked very hard to get to where you're at. Be proud of yourself. Enjoy it in the moment and be excited for yourself. Absolutely. I think that is great advice to end on. So before I do let you go today, where can people follow you to keep up to date with your PhD work, more shark facts along the way, everything about this? Yeah, absolutely. So Miss Stuff, we are on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram. All of our socials are the same. Miss underscore Elasmo. We got to love that platform continuity. We also are on Facebook and YouTube. I'm not entirely sure how much we use YouTube. We use it when we can. Um, It's hard to find content to put up there. And then for my own personal stuff, I don't have as much continuity. Um, I have, it's at sophistication on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram is at sophistication underscore because there is a woman whose last name is Fishman who already has sophistication. Ah. I have indeed messaged her to ask if I can buy her handle off of her and she did not answer me and I don't blame her. (laughs) Maybe one day. Maybe. Well, everyone go follow Jada and all the Miss platforms as well to keep up to date. And thank you so much for coming on today. This was really lovely to hear all about your new PhD work that's coming up through, which is coming down through the pipeline and everything in just science communication. Thanks so much for having me. This was super fun. And we appreciate all of your support as people and as Miss. Um, And that goes for obviously you guys at Atlantic White Shark Conservancy and also any of your audience members who decide to support us. So thank you all. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gills Talk podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review where you are listening to this podcast. And as well as check out our social media to keep up to date with anything Gills Club and Gills Talk related. And we'll catch you on the next episode.